Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson could potentially raise the ceiling for the Atlanta Falcons offense, but he could also lower their floor. We're breaking it down today on Mock Draft Monday. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, a.k.a. Sirius Black, and, of course, the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And we thank you guys for making Locked On Falcons your first listen each and every day. Subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to get the latest episode as soon as it's available, which you can also get on your Roku and Amazon Fire TV by downloading the Locked On Sports Atlanta app. So later on today's episode, we'll be answering a couple of your mailbag questions, including sort of where Desmond Ritter ranks among the 2023 quarterback class, how the Falcons roster stacks up against other uh, teams in the NFC South. But we always start things here with Mock Draft Monday, where we look at a prospect that has been projected to the Atlanta Falcons in a recent mock draft. And today we are talking about Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson, who was mocked to the Atlanta Falcons in uh, a mock draft done by Mike Renner of PFF in a quarterbacks only mock draft. So let's play the soundbite and let's get things started here. The eighth pick, the Atlanta Falcons select. Again, Florida quarterback Anthony Richardson. If you're curious on where the other quarterbacks went in Mike Renner's quarterback-only mock, he had Ohio State's C.J. Stroud going number one overall to the Carolina Panthers, Bryce Young out of Alabama going number two to the Houston Texans, Kentucky's Will Levis going number four to the Indianapolis Colts, Uh, Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee going number 68 overall at the beginning of round three to the Denver Broncos, and Tanner McKee out of Stanford going later in round three to number eight overall to the Detroit Lions. So before we get into the Anthony Richardson conversation. Let's get a couple of disclaimers out of the way. And, you know, in the coming weeks between now and the draft, we will spend some time uh, talking about the the top quarterbacks in this draft class. And for a couple of reasons, as Mike Renner illustrated, at least three of these guys are very likely to be on the Falcons schedule this year uh, with Carolina, Houston and Indianapolis being on the Falcons 2023 schedule. And obviously whoever Carolina picks is a player that we're going to have to familiarize ourselves with quite a bit over the coming years. So I think it makes sense for us as Falcon fans to at least try to understand who these quarterbacks are, because we will see at least one of them quite a bit over the years. The other factor is I do think because the Falcons are kind of in this, you know, middle ground of like, are they going to get a quarterback or, you know, do they have their quarterback? You know, we need to practice the art of quarterback evaluation, right? We need the reps, right? And whether that results in the Falcons taking a quarterback uh, this year or next year or five years from now, I think it's beneficial to all of us to understand the process of quarterback evaluation and see what applies to some of these guys that go on this year in this year's class to other teams and how that process uh, plays out. But the other disclaimer I will give is I like Anthony Richardson, right? 
And some of you guys will have a hard time processing that idea because it's like, aren't you supposed to be a Desmond Ritter guy? And it's like, I don't care who the Falcons quarterback is, guys. Like people trying to put you in a box and label you as you like one quarterback or dislike this pro anti whatever is dumb to me, right? Like I like who I like and I want the Falcons to have a good quarterback. So I'm going to like whoever the Falcons, well, I won't necessarily guarantee I'll like whoever the Falcons take, but I'm going to root for whoever the Falcons have at quarterback to be successful and labeling yourself pro or anti whatever is to me dumb but i do like anthony richardson as a prospect i don't necessarily love him in atlanta uh as a player that i think atlanta is going to be the great ideal place to develop him we'll we'll touch upon that a little bit later but i think in a world where anthony richardson is the falcons draft pick at eight i think the selling point that you're gonna have or at least i would have is it's going to potentially raise their ceiling because of the increase in explosiveness that he's going to bring to the table. That if you go back to my number one beef with Arthur Smith's offense, and this has been my beef since day one, studying his offense in Tennessee when he was hired and has that has continued in his first two years in Atlanta, is I don't know if his offense is really good at designing explosive plays. And as someone who believes that the ceiling, the potential of your offense centers around the ability to generate explosive plays that if your goal is to win games in January and ultimately in February, you have to have an explosive offense or it greatly increases your chances to win games by having an explosive offense. The knock on Arthur Smith's offense is I don't know if he designs explosive plays that well, that when you look at his offense in Tennessee and to a lesser extent here in Atlanta, that his explosive plays were primarily, you know, Derrick Henry taking a five-yard run and turning into a 40-yard gain because he can break tackles. A.J. Brown turning a 12-yard dig into a 40-yard gain because of his ability to break tackles. We saw this quite a bit with Cordero Patterson in year one or Arthur Smith where he was able to take these, you know, simple checkdowns and turn them into big gains in a lot of ways. And I don't know if Arthur Smith does a great job generating those plays through the design of his offense. And so his offense kind of, as I've turned it before, like he needs dudes, he needs guys that can go out there and make the plays that Henry and CP and, and AJ Brown, et cetera, uh, can make. And Anthony Richardson is kind of a dude, right? He's going to bring that explosiveness due to his uh, running ability that he's going to have, that he's going to be the guy that could, you know, break off a 40 yard run at, at a moment's notice. He's also going to bring that explosiveness through the air because I do think as a vertical passer, that is probably the strength of his game as a, as a quarterback, as a passer, that his ability to throw the deep ball with some degree of accuracy and touch, or at least a, you know, we'll talk about some of these other issues with accuracy and touch on throws, but like, it, it's not really an issue for him on the deep pass. And so if you need a guy, like the question I have about Arthur Smith's offense is like, can he, design the explosive plays within his offense or does he kind of need a dude whether that's at the quarterback or whether that's a running back wide receiver etc like he needs more dudes in his offense and I think Anthony Richardson is kind of a dude in that regard now I think the knock on Anthony Richardson and the concern you have with him um, is the notion that he may lower the floor of your team because of the elephant in the room and that is his poor accuracy right his accuracy is very scattershot and it's been fascinating to hear and see the discourse surrounding Anthony Richardson over the last couple of months because everybody focuses on the physical traits and no one really talks about how inaccurate a quarterback he is. And while I do think that accuracy issues can be improved and you will watch his film and find accurate throws, but you will watch a lot of his film and just see him just, you know, couldn't hit the ocean if he was throwing passes on the beach, those types of throws. Um, and I don't feel, well, again, while I can be optimistic and think he can improve upon that, 
I still think you're going to have to live with probably him being one of the more inaccurate quarterbacks in the NFL, missing some of the routine throws, some of the layoffs. And I think that lowers your floor as an offense because some of the easy things that you can just produce six yard throw quick out here, 12 yard throw here that your quarterback should be able to hit, you know, 90% of the time, he might only hit like 50% of the time or 60% of the time. And that's going to lower your, your, your threshold as an offense and lower your floor as an offense. And so the way I would describe it to Falcon fans is take whatever you vision, you picture as Marcus Mariota's worst game where he was just sailing passes over Drake London or Kyle Pitts's head or throwing passes in the dirt or whatever. Mariota's worst game from an accuracy standpoint is probably a regular game for Anthony Richardson or arguably a good game for Anthony Richardson from an accuracy standpoint. And so that's instances where you find a receiver wide open and, you know, hit him in the numbers and he throwing it in his ankle or throwing it four feet above his head, sailing passes on, on easy throws or rel- what should be relatively easy throws in a way. And I think that does lower your floor as an offense. And I think ultimately it's kind of similar to the Mar- Mariota coaster, right? That you, you have these ups and downs. And for those of you listening to the podcast, you're not seeing the visual that I'm, I'm giving, but you have the highs, you have the lows of that roller coaster, uh, that we talked about quite a bit with Marcus Mariota. I think you're going to have to live with that with Anthony Richardson. I think the hope, if you're a team that drafts Anthony Richardson, is that with time, with development, three or more years down the road, that you can kind of hopefully turn him into a Josh Allen type of player who you still live with the ups and downs, but the dips are not as deep with Josh Allen. Like Josh Allen is more like this rather than like this, like Mariota is. Um, and I think Richardson starts here. And then you hopefully can get him to hear again. The audio listeners cannot see the visual reference here on YouTube. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, so when I hear the comparisons to Josh Allen and, and Cam Newton, I, I get it to a certain extent. I kind of think of him more as like a Josh Freeman type of, of, of quarterback in terms of my projection for Anthony Richardson. But, you know, obviously, I think their potential is there for him to be more than that at this point in time. But I do think the comparison between Richardson and, and Mariota does kind of get to the heart of the issue when it comes to why people like the Mike Renners of the world continue to insist upon the Falcons taking a quarterback like Anthony Richardson to a lesser extent, Lamar Jackson. And we'll talk about what these people get wrong about their assessment of the Atlanta Falcons quarterback situation and not really also trying to understand that the Falcons are trying to evolve their offense beyond an Anthony Richardson type of quarterback. We'll break that down as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. But first, guys, I want to tell you that the tournament is heating up and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back. If your first bet doesn't win, all you got to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app or go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up and claim your no sweat first bet. And then you can wager on everything from the money line to points scored to what team is going to be wind up cutting down that net uh, when the tournament is done. It's all done in the app that's safe, secure, super easy to use so don't miss your chance for your no sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars in bonus bets when you go to fanduel today again head to fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up make every moment more with fanduel so i think getting to the point of why people continue to, to insist upon the falcons taking a quarterback which we've addressed a number of times on the podcast but we'll reiterate it on today and i think you just read mike renner's blurb on his write-up in his qb only mock and he said 
If any coach is going to appreciate Richardson's awe-inspiring dynamism, it's the one who schemed the run-heaviest offense in the NFL last season. The Falcons' 50.8% run rate last year was 3.3 percentage points clear of the Bears for the top spot, and that was with a relatively modest rushing threat in Marcus Mariota at the helm. Now imagine what that would look like with a six foot four, 244 pounder who runs a four, four, three second, 40 yard dash running the show. That's definitely something that Arthur Smith would be into. Even if the Falcons still have last year's third round quarterback, Desmond Ritter in the fold. And so I think that basically is telling us why people keep, you know, trying to push a, a quarterback on the Atlanta Falcons, especially when we talk about the running quarterbacks or, you know, to be fair to them, because that, implies that you know the connotation of that is that you know they, they run because they can't throw let's call them gifted runners right like anthony richardson or to a lesser extent lamar jackson and it's basically what mike renner is saying is like given what arthur smith was able to do with marcus Mariota, imagine what he could do with someone better like anthony richardson or lamar jackson and what i don't think people especially national media people realize is like you know, and this is one of the downsides of, of covering, you know, all of the NFL as opposed to one of 32 teams like we do here on Locked on Falcons um, is that you can't be an expert on all 32 teams. And that's not an attack on Mike Renner or anybody else. It's just just the nature of the beast. Right. You know, as you expand your knowledge of the entire league, you have to kind of lower your knowledge of individual teams. And when you talk to the national media people, they tend to focus on the select teams at the top of the league. They spend a lot of time talking about, you know, the teams with the best records in football last year, teams like Kansas city, Buffalo, Philadelphia, Minnesota, San Francisco, Dallas, Baltimore, Los uh, Angeles, the chargers and whatnot. And the, crux of the conversation surrounding those types of teams tends to focus on the quarterbacks. Do they have a quarterback that is good enough to win a Super Bowl, right? And of course, we all know that the quarterback is the, the number one trending topic when it comes to all football teams, regardless of the quality of your quarterback. So it's not a knock against the national people. It's just the nature of the beast, so to speak. But it's this idea of in order for the national people to talk about your team, you got to join the club, right? You got to get in the club, right? And you have to get a quarterback in order for you to get in the club. club. And so you, you look at a team like Minnesota, right, that had one of the better records last year. But the conversation around Minnesota is like, oh, they're fooling themselves because they don't really have a quarterback that can win you a Super Bowl, right? Miami is another team. Had a good record last year, but everybody's like, well, I don't know if two is the guy that can win you a Super Bowl, right? But Jacksonville, oh, you're in the club now because you have Trevor Lawrence and he made strides. And now we can talk about you. So come on and we'll, 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 we'll lump you into the conversation with these other teams that, you know, have the quarterback. And I think what the media, national media types and, and to a lesser extent Falcon fans as well are struggling with is essentially the idea that the Falcons are not really trying to get in the club. And this kind of baffles them. The Falcons are just kind of being homebodies. You know what? I'm not going to go out tonight. I'm just going to stay at home, you know, have a couple of drinks, play some video games, watch some TV, Netflix, and chill, right? And that's not code for anything else. Just like I'm actually going to chill at home. And people are like baffled, like, what? You're not trying to get in the club? Like, you want to be in the club, right? And it's like, yeah, we'll get there when we get there, right? And we're not really trying to get in the club. And I think that's the reality that people are struggling with is the Falcons are basically taking this approach of like, we'll get there when we get there. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And there's a lot of conversation like, but, but, but you got to get in the club. Like, why, why aren't you trying to get in the club? And it's like, no, relax, right? And I think the other aspect is that a lot of national folks don't understand is the Falcons were trying to evolve their offense last year. Like we spent from like what week six, week seven onward talking about, can the Falcons evolve their offense beyond having this quote unquote gifted runner 
of a quarterback like Marcus Mariota. And I don't think the Falcons are as attracted to more gifted runners like an Anthony Richardson and to a lesser extent, Lamar Jackson, as I think a lot of people assume they are because they don't really understand that the Falcons are trying to get past that. And what they're trying to get to is to be a more balanced offense. But they're always going to be a run first team under Arthur Smith. Right. The goal is to be more balanced, but they're always going to be run heavy. Right. I think the PFF stat that I quoted from Mike Renner earlier of the 51 percent run rate was including non-quarterback runs. Now, I think if you include quarterback runs, Chicago was number one in the league with the highest run rate of 56%. Atlanta was number two with 55%. And the Falcons' goal is to be more balanced than that, but they're still probably going to be like 48 to 51% this year. They're still going to probably be one of the top five run-heaviest teams in the league. Can The league average, by the way, for those of you that don't know, in terms of run rate is 43%. Like the Falcons are, are not going to try to get down the 43% run rate, right? You know, maybe in the future, but they're not at that stage right now. And so the type of quarterback that the Falcons at least currently are looking for is the type of quarterback that when they run the ball on first and second down, that quarterback in the third and manageable situation can help move the chains. That quarterback can convert in the red zone. That quarterback in the two-minute offense can move the football down the field at the ends of halves and at the end of games to put the position in the, to put the team in the position to score points and potentially win those games. And I think the Falcons are a lot more confident that Desmond Ritter can be that guy than I think a lot of people outside of Atlanta uh, think they should be. Because like that's what Arthur Smith wants. That's what Arthur Smith had in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill. Right. That was the, the issue with Marcus Mariota this past year was the Falcons were really poor on third downs. They were good in the red zone. They were generally good on two minute offense. I'd have to look at the stats to see exactly where they stacked against other offense. But I would say in, in general, they were pretty good in that area. And so they're trying to get that third box checked uh, potentially in that regard with Desmond Ritter. I think they, they feel like Desmond Ritter can get them there. But like to a lot of people, that type of quarterback with Tannehill, Mariota, Ritter type of quarterback, that's not a, a, a quarterback that's going to get you into the club where we're talking about you as a Super Bowl contender. And I think a lot of people struggle with that idea. And I don't think the Falcons are really invested in finding that guy right now. And that's something that a lot of people with from within the fan base and from outside the fan base really, really struggle with, that they're not trying to get into that club. And I think the Falcons approach is we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, but we're worried about other issues right now on this team, uh, you know, building up the rest of the roster and whatnot. And I think for me, at least my approach to that, because a year ago I would have been like, what, what do you, why are you not trying to get in the club? I would have been just like Mike Renner and everybody else being like, you got to try to get in the club. Like, why are you wasting time? Not getting, if you're not getting in the club, you're not doing anything and all the various things. And that was me, you know, before therapy and and you know, not post therapy because I'm still in therapy. But like one of the things I've learned in therapy is like you can only control what you can control. Right. And the thing I can't I can't control if and when the Falcons try to get in the club or to mix my metaphors. I can't control if and when the Falcons reach the destination that I want them to reach, which is, you know, getting that quarterback that can get them in the club. What I can control is my enjoyment of the ride. So I'm a backseat passenger just trying to enjoy the ride rather than trying to backseat drive like I used to be, which led to, you know, probably a lot more negativity on this podcast. So I think circling back to Anthony Richardson, my personal opinion, he's probably not going to be on the board when the Falcons pick. I expect either Detroit, Seattle, or Las Vegas to take him in that five, six, seven range. Um, I personally think all three of those places present better environments for his development. I think, you know, the things that they have going for them is there's not going to be nearly as much pressure to play Anthony Richardson year one given the more established veterans like Jared Goff, 
Geno Smith and, and Jimmy Garoppolo in those places. Uh, I also think that they have more established wide receiver cores that I think will benefit Anthony Richardson than necessarily in Atlanta. That is no slight to Drake London and Kyle Pitts, but we're still in the process of trying to figure out, okay, are these guys like top tier talents? We know they're good, but we just don't know how good they are. And I don't think Anthony Richardson and his sort of erratic style is really going to help you learn more about Drake London and Kyle Pitts here in Atlanta. Um, and instead, giving him established receivers like Devontae Adams, Amon Ross St. Brown, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, you know, guys that we already know are good, will help Anthony Richardson in his development. Not to mention, you know, in Detroit, he'll have throwing deep balls to Jamison Williams. That will be a, a beautiful thing if you ask me. So, you know, for Anthony Richardson's sake, I hope he goes to one of these three teams because I think that will be a better opportunity for him to develop rather than Atlanta. Um, but we'll just sort of have to see on that front. But, you know, no matter how much you think, you know, Anthony Richardson is a great fit in the Arthur Smith, you know, run heavy offense or whatever you want to call it. Um, I, I think these other places are better places for him. So we will leave the Anthony Richardson conversation aside. We'll circle back to Desmond Ritter, talk about him, how he compares as a prospect with Anthony Richardson and some of these other 2023 quarterbacks. We'll talk about how the Falcons roster steps stacks up against the division as we continue today's mailbag Monday, Monday mailbag uh, on today's Locked on Falcons. So our n n first question comes from an uh, email from Greg E. And he asks, hi, Aaron, I'm a believer that Desmond Ritter has the requisite skills to help us at least be competitive. I like what the team is doing and adding pieces to make this team better long term. I think I finally figured out why I like your podcast. We see football through the same prism. Not sure what that says about me. Ha ha ha. Anyway, keep up the good work. Appreciate it, Greg. And his question is, if Ritter was coming out this year, where would you rank him in this class? I'd probably rank Ritter probably behind Levis and Richardson right now for QB5. I haven't done my final evaluation, so... I can't say that definitively he he's ahead of Henny hooker for me. I haven't really watched Tanner McKee yet uh, to really stack him in that conversation. But frankly, I, I don't think that really matters where Ritter ranks. I will continue to stress this on the podcast that once a guy gets into the NFL, you can kind of throw out the college in the pre-draft evaluations. You know, those are projections, a, AKA a guess on what a guy can be in the NFL. And once a guy is in the NFL, you don't have to guess anymore. And while I wasn't super high on Ritter coming out out of Cincy, I think he was my QB4 last year behind Pickett and Sam Howell and Carson Strong because I saw Ritter more as a like an Alex Smith, Daniel Jones type of prospect. Um, but based off of the limited action I've seen from Desmond Ritter, he's seemingly outperformed those expectations. So those expectations are out the window for me. Now we'll see, you know, if I still feel that way nine months from now. But, you know, I think a lot of this, this is why I tend to push back so much against everybody who just kind of wants to, you know, label Desmond Ray, he's a third round quarterback, you know, what's the history of that? And it's like, I think, and again, opinions may vary. I think Desmond Ritter in a short period of time has far outperformed your typical third round quarterback. So just kind of labeling him as well, you know, how many third round quarterbacks work? Well, I don't think Desmond Ritter is your typical third round quarterback. So I think, you know, trying to limit him in that way is not necessarily fair to him. But Greg E's next questions or two questions. The first one comes, since we don't know how the Falcons stack their draft board, who's your top 10 in order of choice? And number two, he says, as a self-professed film snob, how much film do you watch during the season, either all 22 scouting us or our opponents or any other situation? So for your first question, I'm not necessarily prepared to give my top 10 and probably won't ever be prepared to give my top 10 and frankly my my stance on that is like i don't think you guys really care as much about how i rank these prospects as as much as you 
think you do. Like all you really care about is what my opinion is on the player that the Falcons actually take, not the other nine or so other guys that the Falcons could have possibly take and at that spot. Um, so we'll see if I'm at a point later on between now and the draft where I'd be willing to give that, but we'll, we'll probably not if I'm being honest. Um, for your second question, I don't watch as much non-Falcons All-22 during the season as I used to, and some of that's owed to uh, the increased uh, in, uh, quality of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, because when I first started out on Locked On uh, back in 2016 and 2017, you know, crossovers were recommended, but they weren't mandatory. And so I had to watch more film during the season to do kind of the heavy lifting to preview the upcoming opponents because there was not a guarantee that I would get a, another quote-unquote expert to come on and talk about that team in the lead-up to the game. Uh, the other factor is just basically NFL, the NFL being terrible with their access to all 22 with NFL plus and game pass. And it used to be like, I could just crank out film all the time because you could search through film. Like I could watch all of Zeke Elliott's uh, goal line runs, or I could watch all of Z Zach Wilson's third down throws or something like that pretty easily. And now I can't really do that uh, because they don't have that search feature. And now I have to download a full game and then rewind and, and fast forward on my own time to try to find specific plays. But um, I hope that answers your question. Our next question comes from trips uh, from the discord. He says, seeing your Twitter feed these last few weeks, you ever consider a bonus episode of some of your best slash worst Twitter takes. That definitely would be an episode I'm interested in. I'm not particularly interested in that. And it's mostly because I'm so humble, but occasionally I'll, I'll come across a, a old, Twitter take from years ago. I'm like, oh God, this is awful. So, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily interested in revisiting some of my bad takes. Well, you know, it, you you guys would lose probably a lot of respect for me <laughs> hearing some of the wild things I used to say and do on Twitter. So we'll just we'll just leave that in 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 the drafts. Um, our next question comes from the Discord from Spacebar. He says, when you are going to include A.T. Perry, the god, in your Twitter mocks, you can't deny the inevitable. And for those of you that don't know who A.T. Perry is, he is the wide receiver from Wake Cars that has been often linked to the Falcons due to his Shrine Bowl and all that stuff. Um, to answer your question, never. You know, especially now that we signed Mac Hollins, never. I'm not going to include A.T. Perry. Although I did recently do a mock draft on Twitter where I had just players I like uh mocked to, and mocked them to the falcons i might do a mock draft where it's just players i don't like or not to say i don't like them but i would not love their selection here in atlanta and i might wind up doing a mock on that so that may be the the way that at perry winds up on one of these twitter mocks our next question comes from the same person on twitter he from coke 03116 yes i meant to ask this in the symposium but if you were to rank the order of teams rosters outside of the quarterback in the division, what would the order be right now? I have the Bucks number one, the Saints number two and number three, us slash Carolina are a bit of a wash at the moment. Of course, there are more free agent moves to come in the draft, though. So I would have a similar ranking, the Bucks number one, the Saints number two, the Falcons number three and the Panthers number four. Now, I think Carolina probably gets a slight edge defensively because I think they're playmakers on defense are a little bit more proven. For example, like we 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 are much we know more that Shaq Thompson and Jeremy Chin are good 
and we don't quite know how good Caden Ellis and Richie Grant are. Like we believe that they can be on a comparable uh, or, or better level, but we just don't quite know that yet. So I would give Carolina the edge just from their more known commodity on defense. Although I think the overall talent level is not substantially better there. Uh, I would certainly give the Falcons the edge on offense. So I, I think that's what would push the Falcons in third place. And I know some of you guys are arguably angrily typing your comments saying, how can you rank the Falcons this? I want to remind you guys rankings, are the most inconsequential thing to ever exist. There is not a single football game that is determined by a ranking. And so people spend way too much time worrying about rankings, asking about rankings. It is the biggest waste of time in the history of the world. Um, so before you leave that angry comment about, I don't, I disagree with your rankings. No one cares. No one gives a crap about rankings. No football game has been determined by a ranking. And I think within the NFC South, you know, all these teams are very clustered together. Every team can beat the other one. And we'll, we'll wind up seeing how it all shakes out in the NFC South. So don't worry about any rankings that you see that have the Falcons first, third, fourth, or whatever. Please, you know, leave it alone. Um, our next question comes from Rise Up in the Discord. Hey, Aaron, if the Falcons could only sign one more free agent this offseason, who would you choose? Probably Elijah Wilkinson. And then our last one comes uh, via email from Jordan Yates, a self-professed Alan Sturk fan. He says, hey, Aaron, long-time listener, first-time caller. With the addition of Anya Mata, Eddie Goldman coming back, Calais Campbell supposedly signing while having Grady and TQ, do you think we'll see Grady play on the edge more this season? It seems like every time I've seen him get snaps on the at edge, he's always getting under the tackle and getting pressure. He's built similar to Dwight Freeney, same height and 20 pounds heavier on Grady's end. It seems obvious to use him that way. Am I missing something? Thanks. Um, not quite sure I can go there with the Grady Dwight Freeney comes. I, I get what you're trying to get at. They're like basically the same height. Uh, I feel like Grady's probably more than 20 pounds, maybe like 30 pounds heavier than Dwight Freeney. Um, according to PFF, about two or three percent of Grady's snaps last year came at edge. Um, I think the career high he's ever had was in 2020 with about eight percent. So, yeah, I think the room is there for him to get more snaps there. I don't expect him to suddenly morph into a 30 percent snaps at edge type of player i don't i think that would be a poor usage of grady jarrett so i i may not be as high on him in terms of a dwight freeney-esque role as as you are uh jordan um and then uh, of course the other thing i'll point out is uh you know i don't know if you might be counting your chickens before they hatch with the calais campbell supposedly signing uh comment um and which is understandable you know when a player visits i think people get excited like oh that means we're going to sign them and it's like you know with calais campbell i think what should have been made clear from the jump and what has been clear in hindsight now, now a couple of days later is that, you know, the Falcons were the first of many stops on his free agent worldwide tour, where he's going to basically go touring across the country to pick where he wants to go. And that's the luxury of being Calais Campbell, being a potential hall of famer is like, you're in no rush. Right? And so we'll see if he chooses his, his team before the draft or waits till after the draft, whatever the case may be, um, you know, he can take his time on that. And so we'll see if the Falcons are, you know, at the top of that list when, when he has to make a choice or, you know, he may wind up ultimately deciding to return to Baltimore or whatever. So, you know, I, I wouldn't, get too far ahead of like, we're going to get Calais Campbell. Like maybe obviously we're going to be optimistic and hopeful and we'll dream of, of that day. But uh, uh, you know, don't count your chickens before they hatch. So that is going to do it for us guys here on today's mock draft Monday, as well as our mail bag Monday. I don't quite know what we're going to do tomorrow on the episode, 
but I do, we're going to start pivoting towards the draft. And so we're going to have a lot of draft related content in the coming days. And so that may begin tomorrow. We'll, we'll find out, but continue to make us your first listen uh, so that you can find out exactly what we're going to talk about. Uh, you know, whenever the show becomes available on the various platforms and for your second listen, make sure you check out the locked on NFL scouting with the draft dudes podcast where Joe Marino and Kyle Kraft, just a couple of guys being dudes that are going to break down what it's like to build a successful NFL franchise every single day. So subscribe to Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dudes wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.